Hello everyone, this is DJ. And this is Emil. And this is CG Talks, the podcast where CG guys talk about CG. And you guys, uh, if you have been listening to the podcast, uh, you're m- maybe wondering why is not uh, Marco with us and Andrew. Uh, and that's because of some unfortunate events, because Andrew sadly got COVID. Well, right now it's he's already recovering, so no worries, guys. But um, he had to miss this episode. And Marco, Marco is kind of like also hit by ricochet with the COVID thing, but but not him directly, but his internet connection because he's moving, and the company that supposed was supposed to connect the internet to his new place, they have also this excuse of a COVID thing and. Generally, he's uh, offline, so taking a digital detox for the time being. But right now, we have a special guest and a colleague, uh, Emil, that already introduced himself at, in the beginning. And maybe right now, Emil, uh, you will say a few words about uh, yourself and why you joined the podcast today. Cool, cool. So, um, hey guys, uh, my, my name is Emil, and I'm a content creator for garagefarm.net academy uh i used to work for 3db uh, i used to make assets for the 3db asset library but then i got shifted over here and i'm in charge of all the substance related um content on the channel so yeah yeah cool and uh, today we we kind of um, thought about a nice introductory topic for you Emil. so that we're going to speak um about well I call it generations in 3D industry because uh, me, Andrew, and Marco, so to speak, we are kind of like a little bit of veterans, maybe not super hardcore veterans, but we have, have some years working in the industry uh, already. And you, Emil, uh, are more uh, representative of uh, the younger generation joining yeah. 3D <laughs> yeah. nowadays. And so that's that's going to be the topic. Like, what what are the experiences of uh, today's artists joining the three D industry, and what were the historical, maybe our mm-hmm. personal, like my personal experiences with with starting to learn three D, and and probably as usually we're going to just uh, digress to some more common, yeah, topic, right, more current ones as well. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you actually, like, what what was your what was three D like back then? Like, what what can you start off with? How were you? How did you learn three D? And what was it like learning it back then? Um, yeah, your, your like your history, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, um. Well, I've really kind of joined the three D wagon quite late because it was like the end of my. Uh, so to speak, the end of my uh, higher education. So mm-hmm. it was around, I think, 2008 or something like that. Like the more serious uh, takes on that, because I, before that I had like brief contacts with 3D. You know, of course, like all people, like I knew 3D from the, from the games, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that, maybe movies. Uh, but I didn't really touch on it, touch anything on it. Like I mostly, if I designed something with the computer, it was like 2D graphics, simple mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and the first thing I think, as I recall, it was the first thing was SketchUp when Google introduced SketchUp. 
Mm-hmm. And we, I was studying in just uh, studying interior design, and uh, we just need us we needed a simple tool for getting the shapes and simple visualizations for our projects. And I think like SketchUp was one of the easiest things to jump in because it it just had this super easy learning curve. Just mm-hmm. started the software and you know extruding and uh, doing simple shapes. It was very very intuitive and simple. And then mm-hmm. later on, I I discovered Blender, uh, and I I did it while I was already working for a company that was designing uh, designing trade fair booths. Um, so it was kind of like exhibition de- design, and I needed some software uh, for visualization, so I picked Blender because it was free. So it was like <laughs> mostly yeah, yeah. Yeah. it was free. It was available uh, and. I started learning it like I, somewhere on my disk. I still have one of these first renders, which mm-hmm. are, which are, you know, these. Uh, it, it's none of these, you know, super fancy renders yeah. which people show on forums. This is my first artwork in three D. You know, it, it's just mm-hmm. crap, right? It's just crap. So yeah, the real three, the real first renders in three D. Uh, and the learning thing was like there was some some amount of knowledge online to be found, like. Uh, mm-hmm. A little bit of tutorials back then, but it was nothing like today. Uh, when you just you know start start YouTube, type in the search for any topic, and mm-hmm. just get get simple and uh, cool tutorials. Well, maybe not all of them are super uh, super super good, but mostly you can find the answers to like at least basic questions very easily, or you can buy a course right now right but mm-hmm. then uh, i remember it i even bought a book about blender right that right now i think <laughs> like, mo- most people yeah most people just think that buying a book on 3d software that's kind of, that's ancient right that's right? ancient stuff man yeah i remember and i still have it somewhere uh, on my shelf like it's what funny you start because with? like what blender version like yeah, if you had a book that needs to only specific to a specific version right yeah it was like 2.49 i think that was my first blender version so it was like this wow. one before before the 2.5 upgrade and mm-hmm. so the one with those strange buttons on the lower part of the screen and you know all of oh, that wow all of the weirdness right yeah 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 but I found like you know some some things were were working back then uh, that later mm-hmm. on stopped working that well. Like for example, like DXF import. Uh, for a long time, I used uh, the two point forty nine version because there was a good importer for DXF, like files mm-hmm. from CAD. From CAD, and uh, I just learned the basics. Right, mm-hmm. the first uh, I remember that there were some. Te- Techniques that are no no longer used, like uh, rad- radiosity, explained in the uh, in the book, and like different stuff, which is right now so different, so and so much simpler, yeah, than, than back then. Yeah, I mean, I I I don't know if any, if any simpler counts today, because when I first started out, everything. Okay, maybe my side was opposite. Like, if you had to go through books, and there was some knowledge, but not much. I had a ton to go through, and as a beginner, it's like being op- It's like opening the floodgates. Like, okay, cool. I can learn character art. I can make a table. I can make VFX. Holy crap! There's so much to learn. 
And mm-hmm. when I started out doing 3D, that's what I thought I had to do. I thought I thought I had to finish every single course known to man just to mm-hmm. get a job or get get any good at it. And then I, I, I wanted to make 3D for games. I wanted to get into the game industry. But everything I, every time I learned something, it was it just felt nothing added up, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's interesting hearing it from your side where it, it almost sounds like a barren wasteland where you had to go through like books. And for me, I had everything at my fingertips. But it's like, crap, where do I yeah, start? The curse, kind of the yeah. curse of plenty, right? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so, you, so you never learned from like school, for example, like you were never taught to a curriculum. Well, well, I had a little bit of training at school, mm-hmm. you know, at the, at the university. We had a short, uh, like it was not like a, even a full course, but a short introduction mm-hmm. to, 3D, to 3DS Max back then. Yeah. So that was my first encounter with uh, with uh, with 3ds Max, but later on I just uh, didn't use it uh, for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found SketchUp; it was uh, accessible, it was easy, it, and it was enough for that time being. Uh, and then later I found Blender to be useful for my needs. I use it in, even for my uh, for my final work for for the university mm-hmm. for my for my master's degree. Uh, I did some simple visualization then. Well, right now, if I look at them, you know, they were mm-hmm. uh, really pretty basic. But it was enough for that time. I didn't re- yet aim for any super photorealistic uh, result. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just, you know, a, a tool to just sell the idea of the design. Yeah. So, And generally, but, I've, mm-hmm. uh, I've had the history of, like, doing design. And uh, the 3D was just like a tool. For that aim, and slowly I was drifting towards ArcViz artist uh, mm. workflow. So I, for for some big time of my career, I was uh, doing other stuff and doing 3D as a kind of supplementary tool. Mm-hmm. But slowly I I I came to you know to realize that I really love this part of, of my work, and I yeah. started to focus on it more and learn more and be better at this. So. Yeah. Mm, t- talking about photorealism, um, how did you start out texturing your stuff before? Because you came from a time where photorealism and, you know, it, it's, it was much harder to do it before compared to nowadays where, you know, every, we have ray tracing, we have um, filmic, we have PBR textures. What was it like before where you didn't have any of those? Where did you even get your textures, for example? Yeah, I remember that you know sometimes you, uh, I used to just just search online for images, and I remember like first starting out with uh, SketchUp, that the idea of texturing that I had was just like mm-hmm. an image of some surface which was like pre-made, uh, pre you know just a just a photo of a of a texture so to speak. So so like wood textures were available, I don't know, uh, plaster textures and stuff, but none of the things that are right now building the the whole layered texture sets uh, of the PBR mm-hmm. workflow, which which give you like the full spectrum of uh, surface qualities. Then then I just, you know, worried about stretching and scaling the the texture right. Yeah. And not not about all the other things like like uh, you know, like reflectiveness and uh, bump and stuff. Yeah. Like that. These were these were like out of my spectrum of uh, thinking, re- really. Yeah. And I remember when I started Blender, it didn't yet have even cycles, right? The cycles yeah. was introduced like yeah, later. Blender render. 
It had just internal render. Yeah. So it was looking like crap, and it was already the times where, where professional artists people were using V-Ray in 3ds Max, and V-Ray was quite ahead at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was kind of jealous of, of the results available <laughs> then. Right now, it's, it's like yeah. the gap very like it closed very much. You can once you know what you're doing in Blender, you can really get you know get nice yeah. results. Yeah. But it honestly sucked, man. Like, I, I, when I watched uh, tutorials, learning stuff, obviously you'd learn about texturing stuff, right? Like using normal maps, using base color, diffuse. And I was so confused. Like, I, I'd watch like older tutorials from like 2013 or 2012 or whatever. And they'd be like, connect the bump map. What the hell is a bump map? And it's like, oh, it's like a, <laughs> an earlier normal map. What the, mm-hmm. what the hell is that? Like, what's, a, what's a spec gloss work for? Like, there were so many things I think from your end that really did, did not make any sense. And you know, studying yeah, it's, PBR, it's so easy, yeah, it's, so much easier. It's it seems like you know once you get into the 3D, it's uh, uh, yeah, it seems like it should be that easy, you know, to, and and you have to understand a lot of things about kind of it's it's kind of like arcane almost scientific knowledge that you have to adapt yeah. to be really thinking about it right? like, mm. because this is like simulating virtually simulating like pretty complicated phenomenons like i think the whole industry is going to uh to the direction where you don't uh, will not have to really consider all of that stuff mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't want to right it's just like low level uh programming or something like that if you if you don't want to get like super optimized on stuff and you can just mm-hmm. do stuff with high level, you know, I don't know, scripting or whatever. For for most stuff uh, that regular people need, it's it's enough, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think it's going into that direction that the ease of use will take over. Like I'm see- recently, I've I've seen the the latest Cinema 4D launching video for the new new uh, release of of Cinema 4D, and like all of the features like that they introduced, like there was no really like huge you know, technical advancements there. Like mm-hmm. almost, almost all of these things that were shown were kind of like usability improvements in like, so to speak, uh, placing elements easily, you know, aligning them, you know, just like things that make uh, you just focus on the creative work and not worry about these technical details. That that was kind of like the big deal when I started 3D, like, Mo- almost all of the 3D world, like at least the, the professional thing, it was about knowing what buttons to put uh, to push, you know, what uh, secret mm-hmm. you know values to put into a shader. You know, people were kind of like uh, sharing the, those secrets, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, secret formulas for the perfect photorealistic, I don't know, metals or glass or yeah, the, the yeah. IO the correct IOR values and stuff like that. And this this was like the yeah this little arcane knowledge. Which right now is just like mostly done by some preset or whatever, yeah. because the, the libraries are growing and people are getting lazy because of that. Also, so that the, they don't have to understand it, they don't have to dig into in, into the physics background of this and uh, yeah, and the computer part, which is also kind of like a big deal. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of like the beauty, probably beauty and curse of the early days of that industry that, yeah. that you really had to go deep to understand it but right now it's it's so much more artist oriented than than a technical 
but uh, well, probably there there will be both of these to some extent. Yeah, yeah. Starting out, I hated that stuff. Like you know, PPR when when you get when when you get down to it, it's it's super. It's dumbed down texturing basically. You know, you you have what's roughness? You have metal. Is it a metal? Is it not metal? Is it rough? Is it not rough? It's zero to one. It's binary. It makes super. It, it's super easy to get into. And then I got into fixing stuff for VBB, and I'd have to make shaders for V-Ray, and I'd have to mess around with IOR values, and I'm like, what the hell? So I search on Google, what the hell is an IOR value? And I'd find like these long tables full of like, oh, if it's a, if it's a water, it has an IOR value of this. Oh, if it's a if it's a glass, is it frosted glass? If it's frosted glass, it has an IOR value of this. Like Jesus Christ, guys, why are you? Use PBR, but then it's it's weird because I feel yeah, like yeah, but that's but that's kind of like always simplifying stuff because if you yeah. take a, a deeper thought about this, you're kind of designing shaders for surfaces, yeah, and the 3D is like about surfaces and about volumes as, uh, at the same time. Like there, are, you know, this is all physics transferred to the computer calculations and and that yeah that that hidden you know no, secret numbers. These are these are all related to some physical phenomenons which mm. are really fascinating to to think about once you get into it but yeah but they can mm-hmm. be really daunting because it's not uh, yeah it seems yeah. like yeah rocket science sometimes but it's really it's, it's not that complicated mm-hmm. yeah. unless you go to a molecular level probably <laughs> i hope we happening. never have to go that deep because that sounds like a technical nightmare that's why we became artists right to avoid the math yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. We all use we, we all use the cell phones, but n- none of us really wonders what what does it yeah. have to do with you know with quantum yeah. uh, theory or stuff like that. But yeah, it has. Yeah, it, there's it, a reason it, we like smartphones. It's because it makes everything easy. We're dumb people. We like things easy. But getting back to the the the, the, the whole texturing thing, like what was it like? You know, from when you started out, you had to learn all that IOR stuff, spec, specular workflow, I guess. I'm not sure what you call it. And mm-hmm. then literally, like, overnight, you know, PBR comes in. Like, oh, by the way, everything's going to be PBR now. Substance came in. We do PBR. Quixel came in. We do PBR. What was mm-hmm. it like having the... Was it was it hard for you to adapt? Or were, were is it like muscle memory where you were so much more comfortable with the old workflow? Like, what was it like for you? I think I I'm kind of like gradual gradually uh, you know adapted it. I I didn't mm-hmm. maybe be, it's because I wasn't really, you know, uh very strictly, you know, tied to a specific pipeline like working for a f- for a very long time for a studio that has like a set workflow and just constantly repeating the same stuff. I was like almost because I was freelancing and I was doing like very different stuff. Like I was designing, mm-hmm. I was learning 3D at the site for some jobs and doing, I was always like throughout my career, I was always learning new stuff. Like I I, I found a, once I found a job uh, in a, in an architectural studio, which where I have to, had to learn uh, mm-hmm. Revit, Revit, for example. Yeah. Like it was, it was a short, very short, period it didn't work out well but i had like a three month uh, digging into revit and then i really got the basic basics pretty pretty fast and uh, that maybe mm-hmm. you know that 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 was kind of my unique experience of 
of like constantly learning, which was, which I think in the end it was good. Like maybe I didn't you know advance as quickly in the three D uh, abilities like as people uh, at my age, for example, like there, some of them were really better 3D artists at the same time, but I had this opportunity of really checking out very different stuff. Like I learned Rhino for one one job I did, like the modeling in NURBS. So I kind of get, uh, have this you know wide spectrum of what's possible in 3D, what are the different techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so kind of like the, the general generalist mindset like you have to learn everything about like about everything but not not yeah maybe not mm-hmm. super deep deep about anything but uh, that's why i probably you know just just accepted you know the appearance of new technology like like a new workflow with the mm-hmm. pbr textures and and also because i was a blender user i think it was easier for me because uh, cycles quite quickly you know adapted the disney uh principled shader mm-hmm. so while i was like kind of adapting cycles uh, into my work workflow i already started learning about pbr and stuff so mm-hmm. it wasn't like a big shock for me at least mm. talking about your jobs though like I mean, I think we all talk love to talk about like our our career trajectory. Like, oh yeah, I started out with this. Yeah, I, I immediately started making like professional work. What what was your experience like back then? Like when your when your first uh, creation, for example, what was it? What what did you? What's the first thing you made where you were like, oh, I made a three D thing that isn't the default cube? Because when I started mm-hmm. out, I I was learning three D. I, I I've only ever touched three D once in college, and it was back. They were they were using Maya, and I had no idea what the hell this was. I was like, what the hell is Maya? So I click on it, and obviously, you know, you see a default cube, and I'm like, huh, that's a three D object. I'm I'm gonna do something. So I get a sphere, I get another sphere, and I get a cylinder, and mm-hmm. you know, like like any other immature college kid, you know, I make like a, a small dick, and then I I slap it on like a a three D asset of a centaur from from online and just slap it on so i was wondering like what was what was your experience with 3d like i think when i started out with maya it was it was intuitive to a point where even a complete beginner could like slap on something and call it a day how how was it like back then with you Mm -hmm. i remember well maybe because i didn't learn 3d as a kid so to speak, like uh, I remember, you know, when I was a kid and I was interested in the 3D graphics because of the games and uh, yeah, and this was like the, the even more ancient times of the 8-bit computers, which was my yeah. first computer, <laughs> the, the yeah. ZX Spectrum, and I yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the times of the cassette tapes and stuff. So what's really, a cassette tape? Yeah, feeling a dinosaur really, but uh, yeah. you know, this is this is this was this magnetic tape in a in a small plastic box that you use for yeah. recording music and also computer programs. Really, they were recorded on that, and there was a nice screechy sound that they made while reading into the memory of the computer. <laughs> that so, sounds demonic. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. and it was like hellish because you know sometimes you waited for I don't know 10, 10 15 minutes for the program mm-hmm. to load and it crashed at the end so yeah maybe that was like a you know a good learning uh experience for the for the later uh you know waiting for the render to finish and then it crashes right so 3D, <laughs> you know patience le- learning patience yeah. for, for the computers right 
but uh, well, I digressed, and I was about to say about what, what was my first 3D creation, right? Yeah. So I started learning this pretty late and strictly for a specific purpose. So it was like interior interior design and interior visualization. So I think that the first, at least, I don't recall if I made something before that, but it was like the interior, try, trying interiors and the work I was doing on the, uh, for for my school. So, mm, mm-hmm. so like furniture and stuff. And I was already learning modeling like uh, in the edit mode i think in blender because mm-hmm. it was yeah you know i had the plane and i started off with the plane and then extruded some stuff and you know make made the walls the or, or a cube scaled it mm-hmm. and made made openings to, to make a room and stuff like that yeah now of course like the shapes were awful when i made my first concept <laughs> design of, of, a, yeah. of a room i just you know extruded every furniture that was kind of like uh, mm, uh stable piece and uh, yeah the texturing mm-hmm. was not not even the case i just applied some basic colors and, and found the, how to add the lights into that how to place a camera and of course i i just put the camera inside the room and then blew up the the angle of the camera so that i could get yeah. a so so the f- the first uh, mistake of, of the super wide angle cameras uh, inside mm-hmm. the room yeah, so so the perspective lines were all distorted and stuff. So that was kind of like my first experience with 3D. Yeah. Wow. No, so professional. No, no cent. Yeah. No centros and no centers and no, yeah, no car <laughs> car models. I didn't start. Well, I started yeah. with uh, yeah f- with interior and also like trade booth designs. So I yeah. re- I made I, I remember I made a counter for some shop or something like that so, so like simple furniture designs yeah i think that was yeah i mean first. i i started out wanting to create characters so when i started doing 3d i was watching like all of these character artist um tutorials and then i realized wow i suck at making characters i'm gonna go make furniture instead and yeah. make a table i and, think it's easy it's yeah. easier you know the learning curve i think mm. that so i was kind of lucky starting off with yeah. this interior because like 3d for most for the most part for 3d artists like doing argvis is not like a full fledged you know 3d generalist workflow because you'd ha- you have to learn like the basics really how to you know prepare the room uh the maybe the lighting is a little bit more tricky but then most for the most part you use other people's models you know they just import from some kind of a library you just mm-hmm. you know, import this into the scene lay it out so uh and then you maybe have to dig into the texturing but if the models that you have are pre-made and <laughs> and well done and with textures you just have to know where to plug them in and so it's easier, definitely, than for mm-hmm. an organic character creation where you have to, I don't know, learn sculpting and then retopo and stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, that, that's a, that's a harder thing to do. Hey man, making making furniture as a beginner is not easy. I, I remember trying to make like a basic ass table with like four legs and a top. It took me a week, and it was it wasn't even mm-hmm. the right scale because I had no idea scale was a thing in Blender. Like I thought I had to like resize it manually. Um, yeah yeah that's terrible like first yeah, but, so i i have yeah. yeah i have a bias here because i first learned to to you know design furniture kind of by hand at school mm. and we had yeah we had some some you know we were taught to to build them in uh in a mill shop 
Yeah. So, so we were cutting the wood and you know making a chair for like the first I think the first assignment of a real furniture design it was like making a chair and we were mm-hmm. drawing them we were drawing them on like in one to one scale on big sheets of paper and then you know trying to to build them in in the shop and yeah make a make a prototype experiment with stuff so, so generally I yeah that was easier for me to to know understand the design and and. The first thing, the first thing in, in computer aided design, it was not 3D for me, but it was like the drafting in CAD, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe that's an easier trans- transition if you know how to build a design in 2D and uh, relate it to a 3D object. That's already like, giving you a, a big advantage because the mm-hmm. 3D then is just like uh, it. It seems easier, you know, than. Uh, it's just like we talked with uh, with Heavy Poly on the, the podcast. With, and mm-hmm. He said like he he really appreciated the 3D because of this, you know, uh, not having to do you know planar drawings and imagine how it translates to 3D. So having this this you know mind trick of of relating the 3D uh, object to a 2D uh, drawings like. Uh, which is kind of mm-hmm. hard, you know, and, and making this by hand without a computer is even harder. And uh, so then if you, when you build it, build the stuff in 3D, it's kind of like, it's, it's easier. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I don't know, well, well, I wouldn't say it's easier because I think it really depends on you know, what fundamental knowledge you have in art anyway. If you're good at art to begin with, you know, 3D is probably going to be easier to get your mind around. but then starting out as somebody who could barely draw like stick figures and now going to 3D thinking I was going to be a hotshot and then boom, I'm making furniture and this this stuff is still hard. I don't mm-hmm. know, to each their own, I guess. But yeah, hearing hearing you like plug in textures, right? What? Because I'm, I'm the substance guy, right, in the channel. I'm not even that good at substance, but I am the substance guy. And every I, I grew up in 3D knowing how to be uh, doing procedural stuff, right? And yeah, what was it like in your and like if you got a texture of wood from online, and you wanted to like change it up, like how did you get around that? What was it like back then? Well, I mostly used GIMP for that, or GIMP. People people use Photoshop. Yeah, I was using GIMP at that mm-hmm. time. And generally, you know, the, the the big the big you know the big thing was like to make the texture seamless, right? It was like, yeah. Uh, a big thing and there were plugins for that but mostly you know comparing it to to, to nowadays standards it 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 used to suck you know mm-hmm. it was hard getting uh, getting rid of the tiling effect if you had a bigger you know area to cover with the texture so you mm-hmm. had to revert to some tricks or or just deal with it like i remember for example like one of my first animations like if it was a, like one of the first serious artvis jobs so to speak like i build, build a whole model of a of a quite big building uh an apartment building for a real estate developer so they were happy with the model okay i, I did some still shots and then then they was making an animation mm-hmm. Ooh, and that and i was doing that on a poor laptop so I remember the yeah, frustrations, yeah. the frustrations of the hardware limitations, the you know, crashing of, you know, I had to, you know, really learn to optimize fast. Yeah. <laughs> so some things, and then I've, uh, I've, I've applied some textures, uh, to the ground. I think to the grass. It was tiling as hell, 
and mm-hmm. I've said something like wrong. So in the end animation, there was some kind of like um, parallax effect of, of the texture not following the camera movement or stuff like that. <laughs> some yeah. strange things started happening. Yeah, so I wasn't like super happy with the result. Yeah, so I was learning the hard way, uh, you know, along the way when I was trying to achieve some, some uh, get some some stuff done, right? Yeah. So right now you have to, you know, you you. I think right now I just would revert to more tutorials or checking uh, how to do stuff properly before uh-huh. I even, you know, started the, the job, or at least at the first stage. Uh, but then I remember it was like close to the deadline, and then you have to experiment with some stuff like so. Yeah, it was it was a it was sometimes hard, right? But yeah, honestly, it sounds super sketchy because if 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 we're going by what you said, where you would get your textures from Google or for example, mm-hmm. how the and then you you change it up in GIMP. Like, what's the legality of doing that? Because it, when doing a substance. You can do everything you ever need with just all the tools inside Substance, mm-hmm. right? So everything you texture and create, it's it's owned by you, right? Everything you make yeah. is completely on you. But then, you know, what's what what was it like working on like for say commercial projects and then you'd be using textures from like online and then, you know, changing them up a bit. Like what was that like? Yeah, I remember that sometimes you know, it was like uh, yeah, I was uh, I was sometimes probably like uh, on the gray line somewhere uh, a lot of times like back then it was not like the age of uh, you know everything online back mm-hmm. then but um, but it was already like the internet was available uh, and uh, a lot of stuff was um, well it was starting to grow you know the, the libraries of free images as well there was mm-hmm. some there were some available already but uh, yeah Sometimes you took uh, your own photos as well, yeah? I learned to do that as well. <laughs> Old school photogrammetry without the photogrammetry. Yeah, it was without the grammetry. It's just, <laughs> it's just photo, t- taking photo textures, right? But right now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right now you just have so much more tools. You you can even do, like, it's not that hard to make, a, a, you know, an, your own HDRI or whatever you would need. You just yeah. need some, some equipment. Uh, and and a little bit of knowledge, right, or, or or a program that does it for you, which some of them are really even free, for for photogrammetry or for you know textures teaching. And yeah. then you have substance, and then you have substance and stuff like, like mixers, mixer or uh, armor paint as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm honestly spoiled for choice as uh, I guess a modern artist, like. I never had to deal with all of that stuff. You know, you just get a substance material, slap it on, call it a day. Oh, you don't have anything? Go to substance source. Oh, you you want to, like, make something cool without really putting in work? Slap on a smart material. Like, 3D is so much more acceptable. Or, yeah, oh, I don't know. What's, what's, what's the right word for it? More acceptable? Or mm-hmm. for, for modern day artists? Because it sounds brutal. <laughs> it honestly sounds brutal. Yeah, yeah, time. it was. Yeah, it was hard. But then you know, uh, the expectations were a little bit lower than today, right? Right now, you know, the, the level of quality yeah. that's expected from you is much higher. Also, because so much things are at hand, you yeah. can really, like pretty easily, you know, uh, get. Uh, even if you don't use substance, you can, you know, you can download free 
high quality textures or models from a lot of places like commercial stuff as commercial companies just give some freebies and there are also these open source nice initiatives like cc0 textures and texture having haven yeah so yeah a lot to be used for free and if you want to go further you can pay like a small fee for a subscription uh, of some sort and yeah and go pro very cheaply i think it's uh, it's generally for the good you know it we could we could call it like being spoiled but then again it, you just have so much uh, alter- uh, so much in your toolbox right now mm-hmm. i'm thinking that it's good uh, even from my perspective like i remember that it was harder back then you know learning to well maybe it, it um, yeah it forced you to 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 work cleverly or you know to dig into some topics like like you said like these scientific things about about why why things work that way which you don't have to dig into right now mm-hmm. but in the end you know uh, you can just create so much more in a shorter amount of time and, and or or just aim higher in your expectations like I, I can't imagine you know doing like there is there is a, a, a director here in Poland which was a 3d artist back uh, back in the days like uh, a solo 3d artist uh, using 3ds max I think he made a, a rewarded animation which was called the cathedral his name's mm-hmm. Tom Tomasz Baginski He's yeah. right now he's he's leading one of the top uh, top studios in Poland right now, and they were doing, for example, uh, they were co-producing the um, the Witcher uh, for Netflix, the the, the series. Mm-hmm. Generally, they're doing top top uh, high end you know animations and VFX and stuff. Uh, and the guy did this this first animation, which is like it's quite amazing, right? Even now to watch, like. Of course, it's, it's it's kind of outdated because of the technology, and uh, but it was like a quite ambitious vision, and he like did it for a few years. I don't know how how long, but pretty long, and he did it on his own. Uh, but that was like kind of like you know very unique experience that the guys had, had this uh, you know the guts to do that and to pull, to pull it off and finish, and and that really brought him success and fame. Uh, back then, and mm-hmm. then he, yeah, he launched his career from from that point. Um, but now it's just like it's really achievable, right? If you if you want to make a short movie mm-hmm. uh, or something like that, it's so much easier than than back then to do something like that. Yeah, yeah. The barrier for entry to make amazing stuff is just much lower, I guess, mm-hmm. today. But the expectations are way higher because it's lower. Like mm-hmm. before, you could, it was much harder to get into 3D because you had no idea what the hell was happening. You have to buy books. Like, what the hell? Books? Who uses books? And then you'd have to create your renders and people would be f- would forgive you, right? Because you're, you, you're not a pro at it. You, you're not working mm-hmm. in a studio. You're learning from a book. You're not going to be making anything big. But because everything is so much more advanced but at the same time intuitive if i wanted to make a film with like using blender for cg it would have to be like seriously good so that people don't make fun of it yeah maybe maybe so but then again it turns out that the the tool barrier is getting Mm -hmm. lower anyway so that you 
you don't have to spend so much time learning and you know I, I, I see it for example for from some young artists which are starting off uh, their careers and advancing very fast and doing like stuff uh, mm-hmm. like they're, they're quickly outgrowing even the veterans of the field like in, in terms of the effect because the learning curve of the tool itself is easier and you know and some some you know young talents have uh, can easier you know put their uh, artistic talent to mm-hmm. fruition to fruition so to speak like because uh, it's you know creating art is more about you know what you are doing and how you are doing it like i believe that that's the more more important part if you like like watch a movie and it's a low budget movie but it's done by a talented uh, you know talented uh, director and the crew mm-hmm. is is good and the actors are okay uh it's going to be a good movie and you can lo- watch a hollywood blockbuster with a big budget and 3d uh vfx and it can be a crap movie even if if everything's blowing up on the screen and the graphics are super high and and mm-hmm. st- still it can be a very bad movie and really boring to watch or i don't know yeah of course you know, the cinematographic uh, value is low and yeah, that's because yeah. yeah that's and that's i think the benefit of this time because the expectations are high but you know also the tools are there so if you are really creative and you you know what to do and you know uh, like what you want to convey you can do that easier of course you can mm-hmm. do it with uh with 3d or other mean mediums right it's like for example me and marco we, we dig into musicals also we had some musical experiences creating mm-hmm. and uh the the thing is that that right now you can kind of record uh, at the quality which uh, was available just for the top artists like in the 60s well it doesn't mean also, it doesn't necessarily mean that there are uh yeah th- there are just benefits of that of that because you know, some things are just like so tempting and, e- and easy like using auto tune for singing or stuff like that so sometimes it's just killing the creative part like just yeah. focusing on on the on the technical part and not on the artistic part of the music but uh, but generally you can like record a pretty dope you know quality recording uh in your home studio right now with, without spending like millions of dollars for the equipment you can just have to have a decent mic and and a computer and and you're free to go right and you can yeah. create whatever you want so that's kind of like amazing times right and i've i've heard that from from like uh you know, old-timey musician musicians, which are also kind of excited about that mm-hmm. time that that this this really changed. Yeah. So going back to three D, though, I think being creative isn't all that we have to do. Like, I think people get focused on the creative side. Like, oh, I I want to like make this pretty character. I want to make this pretty visualization or this pretty asset or whatever. And but because of the the lower to the lower barrier for MP for tools, people forget about the technical side. Like, okay, why do we do stuff like this? Why do we care about topology? Why care about um proper UV unwrapping, for example? Like the boring stuff that nobody really wants to get into, especially for beginners. But I think it's important. Like when you create an asset, for example, I think a lot of visualization people would would fall back to modifiers right oh let's get this thing slap a modifier on it do this this and that boom it looks good and then compare it to somebody who spent the time to really make it optimized 
and you know maxed out the textures here it 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 performs better like from a video from the video game industry mm-hmm. there's so many games out there that are really pretty but they run like terrible like i think you've you probably heard about the whole cyberpunk 2077 scandal right where you know yeah. it's been it's been hyped for years people have been working for a long time and it looks amazing but it won't work on anything it, it's it's so so technically heavy mm-hmm. that it, it's a terrible yeah. thing to it run right compared yeah, to like I've, I've, yeah i've heard like the, it was yeah. really really bad on on the p uh, uh, PS uh, like PlayStation Four, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- that was a horror. Like the the PC guys generally were kind of satisfied. Like, di- mm, depends on the PC. Despite, yeah. like, the guys who were happy with it were running like RTX 3090s. Like they're they're perfectly <laughs> yeah. fine with it, you know. But then maybe you you had like a 1050 Ti, you could probably play GTA Five on your PC, but you try running Cyberpunk, that thing will kill your computer, right? Like, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't. <laughs> Because yeah. and I feel like that's a thing that gets overlooked a lot. Like, I, I'm I I prefer think of the technical side because I really suck at the creative side. And yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know, man. Like, there, I think there's a t- time and place for each skill, and being creative isn't all. It shouldn't yeah, be course. the only focus. It, and, yeah, and it's it's kind of like the, the two legs of the same. Uh, the same person so because like if you make the movies you need to be you know you you need to be creative and you know the director is very important right he has to have the vision you know has to lead the team and you know put out the put out the imagery but then again if you want to make a really pro high-end movie you really need this uh, this guy behind the camera right the the operator yeah you know and he has to know his craft right it's it just it's not just about you know having an eye for a nice shot, but he has to know about the lenses, about everything, you know, just to make the shot exactly yeah. the way that it should look. And then you have the post production guys and stuff. Like there's there's always always you know the technical side as well. Yeah, yeah. For example, of, like you you you, yeah. you wanted to be a painter, right? You you want yeah. you want to you want to do the creative stuff, but you need this guy who who makes the the paint, right? He has to know. Yeah, yeah. That the paint will be right and that it will dry. Oh, okay, man. A lot of technical stuff in all artistic uh, endeavors, right? Yeah. Although speaking of like directors, creative vision, and the technical side, I think a perfect example of that in recent memory would be just just the whole Justice League thing, right? Where when when they first created the Justice League back in twenty seventeen, um, Zack Snyder got fired so Joss Whedon the director of Avengers 1 came in to finish the film and then so you have the original director kicked out of his own film because of personal reasons and someone else takes over and everything is a mess so Zack I don't know if you know the story but Zack Snyder was the original director and he had um, called this he had an or- his original vision for the film it he wanted to finish mm-hmm. it and he had VFX already. Like he would concept out the, the storyboards, the designs, he would be work. And the, the main villain in the movie was this like hulking metallic figure. Like to a PBR artist or to a VFX artist, metal is like the easiest thing to figure out, right? Because like, oh, it's shiny. It's a metal. Boom. It looks good. It's easy to make look good with the right HDR. And then, mm-hmm. so, but jo- Joss Whedon comes in. Not only does he make the film much worse from a creative standpoint, like the writing is terrible, the plot's terrible. Now the VFX artists who worked on it had to recreate certain 
uh, redesign, sorry, the certain parts like the, the main villain. So instead of this hulking monster with like spikes made out of metal, it was this oh, this really old looking, almost pedophile looking guy in like a helmet, and it looked terrible. Like it looked really fake from a VFX standpoint. And it's interesting because when Zack Snyder came back to finish the Justice League for HBO Max, everyone could see the the difference, right? The VFX is so much better because they really thought it out according to his vision as a director. So, mm. yeah. There, there's, not, there's something to be said about times where the, the director's creative vision, whether you're an art director or a creative director or a movie director or whatever, is perfectly in sync with the technical side, you have amazing results, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's exactly what uh, what uh, Heavy Poly Vaughn uh, said about the experience with uh, with Alberto Mielgo and uh, the Spider Verse movie. Mm-hmm. There was the, the synergy between you know artist, director, and everyone like kind of followed the same vision and had like all all the. Yeah, all the guys in the in the whole team had kind of like a lot of artistic freedom, but they were kind of also on the same wavelength in terms of of what they are what they were aiming for. A lot of room for experimentation, but at the same time, you know, yeah, it was it was kind of like strapped into the vision of the director. And I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm a very big fan of this one, like uh, the Spider Verse. The Spider Verse, yeah, I think yeah, it it was like one of the. F- Freshest things that I've seen in the last years yeah. in animation. So. Yeah, it's really interesting because even the way it looks, right? Like <laughs> these are the same guys who worked on the Emoji movie. So you first hear about Spider Verse. Oh God, the same guys who made the Emoji movie made Spider Verse, and then you see mm-hmm. it, and your mind's blown. Like, mm-hmm. oh, oh my, I'm gonna my my mind is on overdrive right now from how beautiful this film is. And I remember watching a behind the scenes video on it. And there was a scene where Miles was like falling, and then it was watch it's what's up danger scene, and the 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 city had like this weird FOV almost, at least it looked like FOV. But then when they got to the behind the scenes, it wasn't actually the camera. All the buildings were kind of pointing towards and like a, it wasn't like a real building where everything was like from the ground up. It was all like distorted, like the the buildings were like shape towards the camera and mm. yeah it's one of those things where if you have the right people on board the right on, who can do the technical side like even the shaders you you reach up you you achieve a result that is just mind-blowing it, it, it changes the game like everybody's yeah. inspired right yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this kind of uh, falls into our new venture uh of the cabin project that we're working on right now. Yeah. So just like a little uh, spoiler for what's <laughs> coming for, to the to the GF yeah. Academy. But yeah, we're working on a bigger project and a team-based project right now. So pre- I'm hoping that this kind of, you know, inspire, inspiring things that uh, we were talking about in the podcast, this will kind of become our experience as well. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and I, I guess we're we're kind of like closing to an hour, so maybe, and I think we digressed a bit into into mm-hmm. different different topics, and and still talking about you know generational experiences in three D. How would you you know, how would you think like is it uh, 
is it easier right now to become a 3D artist and like is do do you feel that uh, you know uh, the world's uh, you know the world's your oyster so to speak like you can mm-hmm. you can you can just uh, do whatever you want or do you feel that uh, yeah that maybe it was it would be better to be you know like some people go to an office we, job or something <laughs> some some people have this sentiment you know I wish I would have I I, I was born you know in uh in the 60s right when the music were <laughs> oh i was hip born or in the wrong like time yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah or or do you feel that oh my goodness like these times are so exciting i'm really glad to be joining this industry mm-hmm. right now and not 10 years ago or 20 years ago yeah i mean art is pretty much similar to how athletes are right where just naturally over time each generation of athletes artists whatever they're all going to be way better than the last generation. So going into the industry as a younger artist, it's so much easier to get into. And but at the same time, all the competition is so much harder because everybody's getting into it. And, and there's a ton of talent and people where, holy crap, I, I think I saw like college students starting out. They're two years into 3D in college at like, what, 18 years old, 19 years old. And they're creating stuff that would make veterans like open their uh, like drop their jaw from how amazing their work is but at the same time it's like it's a challenge of each generation right you go into something you're starting out your goal is to be the best and seeing other people who are amazing at art kind of just wants to make you go harder you know be the like oh you're all my rivals i'm gonna have to like match match you guys and then, yeah, that's how the industry grows. That's how the industry goes forward. And hopefully, you know, one day, maybe I can be one of those guys who are like, oh, damn, you make great art, you know? Yeah, I think it's kind of like, uh, yeah, I remember when I started out, I was like really, really, you know, looking into some people which were ahead of me, like doing yeah. better stuff. And I thought, like, I think it's common, like, you know, being young and thinking that, well, some you know, sometimes you know you have this uh, little bit of uh, this um, I don't know how to call it like the the courage of the young and uh, mm-hmm. the ruthlessness that you, you don't really care what people think and you you're you're bold enough to to like uh, claim that you can do everything like and something mm-hmm. something is like take time and sometimes it's 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 really true because you know you you just have uh, you have the yeah the potential and you you just dig in like full in you don't have yet the obligations of the older age and stuff and yeah. you can do much more uh, in these terms yeah but i remember there there was also this feeling of you know being over overwhelmed that you know the the people who are ahead of me like older older people or more experienced people they, they just do stuff that i am not, not able to achieve like the level of art they're doing mm-hmm. And it's still the case to, you know, there's always someone ahead of you or like someone that you yeah. can think that's better than you. Even if you're kind of on the top of the world, I guess, you then you probably look at people that are doing a little bit different stuff than yours. Maybe it's some stuff that you wish you you had mm-hmm. experience in. Or, you know, I remember one of my, uh, one of my uh, professors, which was, um, he was a, an art, art historian. And he was like a very specialist guy in uh, one of the painters uh, of, of a medieval age. And he was like one of the top, I don't know, European uh, 
specialist in this area and but there was someone there <laughs> like someone mm-hmm. and it was like so hard for him right <laughs> because you know there was this one guy that's that's yeah. more specialized or having better I know, opinions or and it and he took it very hard um so uh and what i what i meant is is uh it's good to be patient so to speak mm-hmm. because over time you always like gain experience you 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 succeed and you fail and you learn from from both of these like i think and and you get you know your knowledge behind your belt and uh, it's like you said about working in 3D uh, B, like the last time we spoke, like that you have uh, experiences mm-hmm. of starting out and learning stuff along the way, and the expectations were higher, so you had to learn, you know, had to you had to get criticized for what you're doing wrong, and then yeah. take it in and and change, adapt. So being younger, I think, is like a little bit easier to adapt, right? Yeah. Then later on, when you have you know your uh, your muscle memory, so to speak, and yeah. The proper yeah. learning is a little bit slower, but then again, you have you know you know where to search. You you know yeah, yeah. I I guess that's kind of like the advantage of being a younger dude or uh, starting out. It's like if I if I screw up, please don't get mad at me because I'm still new. <laughs> you know, the, compared to like maybe an older, experienced person like ten or fifteen years into the industry, and they make basic mistakes, it's gonna look mm-hmm. really bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but 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 you still do <laughs> you, know, so you still do basic mistakes sometimes you know yeah hopefully you, less compared to like as a beginner like you know flip normals you know what yeah. else small stuff like that yeah yeah but when you you know when you look at uh as we we talked about directors you know some mm-hmm. people you know do their great 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 work and the more the more great work you produce the expectations were higher and mm-hmm. it's, you know it's, it's yeah it's sometimes you know you, you did yeah, five genius movies and then the the sixth one is is the challenge because you know all the people are expecting that the sixth one will be at least as genius as the last five ones but it's not yeah. always the case you have to always be prepared to do the failure <laughs> the failure yeah, yeah. next time right i mean that must that must be hard you know being, being yeah. a genius and then I mean, there's there's always room for like every kind of person, right? Like, not everybody is meant to be a director. Not everybody is meant to be the superstar. You know, not everyone can and should take it. So I feel like there's yeah. always gonna be a, a room for like, okay, you are a cog in the machine, and that's perfectly fine. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. to be a superstar. It's perfectly fine contributing to a bigger piece of work. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course, it's like uh, those movies that we are kind of like admiring and usually you remember a few names associated with the with the creation mm-hmm. and there's this whole you know team that's i sometimes i sometimes really like to, to watch the end titles in a movie just yeah. searching for the names i recognize or not you know mostly i don't but i'm, I'm really also try, sometimes just looking at the names how how they sound you know Mm-hmm. from from different cultures different countries and stuff and you, you see a movie that there was such a big team of people involved in it and mm-hmm. they just get this final credits right at the end yeah. of the movie so that's all the all the glitter and fame that they get to uh get to know right 
yeah that's that's kind of sad but that's, at the end it's just just that's how it is right someone's in the foreground and the other ones mm. are just backing it up there's there's a certain happiness to it though like sure your name is stuck to a credits roll like a, like maybe a, a one second piece of film in, in at, at the very end but there is something comforting where you know you could you could be dead already a hundred years from now and people are still looking at that film mm-hmm. that, or your game that you worked on and they'll see your name there right like you're not around anymore but in the in a certain way working on a big production is the closest thing an artist can get to being immortalized right mm-hmm. like artworks like for example like nfts or or certain artworks online or on art station quite honestly they're really great but nobody's gonna be talking about them a hundred years from now compared to like certain games or film where it's been we, we, i mean we still talk people still analyze films and vfx and all kinds of things from stuff from like a hundred years ago and everybody there in the credits are probably dead but mm-hmm. yeah I mean, they worked on it they're a small cog in the machine to something that can trans can transcend time you know and i think there's something really comforting about that especially as an artist where we all want to be part of something. We all want to stamp our our name into the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's a cool industry. It makes sense in all of those places. Like whether it's entertainment, I don't know, uh, or more practical businesses. If you do, I know, I don't know, medical visualizations, whatever. Yeah, do with three yeah. Ds. Like it's a useful tool, and it's uh, yeah, yeah. I think it has its own meaning, so to speak. Yeah, for and sure. And I guess, you know, uh, for younger or older generations there, the technology is really, you know, advancing. And it. I think in the end, it's helping at least, you know, achieving bigger goals. So you don't have to, you know, focus on, on smaller things. You, you can, yeah, take a look at the bigger picture sometimes. Yeah. I think, you know, all the all this civilization advances in, you know, providing us with more free time to do stuff you know that you don't have to you know i don't know wash the dishes you have the wash washing machine mm-hmm. and stuff like that everything is like kind of trying to free us from from having to to work on the on the necessary parts but but tedious so yeah. that you ha- have time to you know just just watch the world contemplate on it right Think yeah about it. You meet, meet with people you love right and that's that's also why you don't really have to Although Marco always says that it's it's kind of like this you know coffee ritual that you play, you know, put on a render and go, yeah, go make yourself a coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now you just can you know can render really fast with all those advancements and also like the services are as as, uh, as ours right the garage farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can just send off the renders and they will render somewhere on the cloud and. To get downloaded ready and and your computer is free right yeah For doing what you really want to do with your computer not just wait yeah go on youtube watch videos <laughs> yeah. scroll right. facebook yeah <laughs> yeah that's yeah, the, the, the most advanced ways of spending free time so. yeah please use surrender farm like garagefarm.net so that you can spend more time on facebook <laughs> Or do something really mean- meaningful, like create your, your short movie that you promised yourself you will do this year. 
No, it's already April. What have you done to What have you done to achieve your goals? It's been a year. Where have you been? Yeah. Right. Right. So I guess I guess we can on the, on mm -hmm. that, you know, inspiring and calling to action note, we can yeah. end this end this episode and wish you all happy rendering. Bye guys. Yeah, see you.